0: Here save! The goalkeeper's lap was in! Not to that well.
1: Keeping hold of the ball here. Still got the ball. Alright, what's going on everyone? This is Artie. You're listening to the Canon Column podcast. This is episode number three. As always, with fellow Gooner Kyle Jenkins. What's going on? Not much, man. It's been a minute
0: since we've gotten to be able to talk a little arsenal, but I'm excited to get into it. A lot has happened since we last uh, chatted. So it'll be interesting to unpack some of these things. But um, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, it's, um, I do miss uh, not having the games, uh, but my mind's been so occupied with the last couple of events that happened with the transfer window that ended. But um, yeah, it's the second half of the season now. And we got to just get ready for that and figure out how to finish this strong. But, um, today there's a big news out uh, with Abba. Today was on the presser for uh, his Barça unveiling, and um, this guy talked about how uh, had a couple of sound bites about how Arteta was his only problem there, and uh, got a lot of uh, got a lot of heat and sparked a lot of debates on Twitter, both sides, and I saw a lot of it, and I was I was honestly shocked that there were people there blaming. Our teta for the people who are living under the rock that don't know. Aubameyang was basically ousted because of combination of performance, right. And disciplinary reasons arriving late, not once, not twice, not three times, multiple times for many meetings, practices. And then the Tottenham game, you arrived late for the fucking game uh, or the meeting before the game, which was is as critical as you can imagine. So, I was shocked that people were trying to tie that into a narrative, into an Arteta out narrative and tied it into Genduzi and other people who, if they again know what happened with those, they they have a common theme to it. Um, I want to be the first to say that uh, I'm totally on Arteta's side on every tent and every single angle and every single perspective. And I have my criticisms for him when he deserves it, but this is not one of it. And I think you and I both work in uh, business environments. You work in a corporate environment. And from a leadership perspective, you know, from managers we've had and the way you manage your teams is you have a set of values and you have a set of expectations you lay out and standards. You are the first person that has to adhere to them above anyone else. If you don't, you're going to lose the locker room in a heartbeat. You're a hypocrite. Because you're saying how important X, Y, and Z is. And then you turn around and you don't actually execute on it. I actually think it's one of the most critical traits of leadership, but one of the hardest ones. And I think Arteta's decisions here is he took the hard route. It's easy to give in. It's easy to turn the shoulder and say, okay, whatever. He's the star. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. It's hard to be where he's at. And yet Abba has friends in there. You get the other players kind of pissed at you. You risk it all. But he is so laser focus on on his leadership and, and I applaud him for him. It's inspiring I me and I've said this I think the first episode he's become an inspiring figure to me, the way he leads and being so young and then the way he manages. So I think Alba deserved everything he got out of it. and beyond all that, he wasn't performing. He was 33 years old. It was a terrible deal by us and he was hurting us in these games. It's like we're playing with 10. So you add in both of those I should I don't even think this should have been a debate. And this one tweet is still stuck in my head saying, like, she's now, like, had a falling out with Abba, uh, Ganduzi. maybe Arteta's problem. I'm like, Arteta's not the problem. Arteta's a problem when you frame it as a falling out, but it's not a falling out. Some guy is not respecting and listening to the values that this guy's trying to do. And when you do that at any organization, you know that initially the people who are not aligned to those values, the people you don't even want there, stand out right away. And they eventually have to get rather put to the side or this leader now is risking his performance and people can judge and be like, you're bad. You're not, you don't understand it. You're folding for other people. And and the project will fail ultimately, you know? So I'll stop there. I want to hear your take on it and just how you processed it. And if you do tie it back into this narrative that people want to drop about, Arteta saying maybe he's man management. It's actually not good. While I think it's the complete contrary to it, but would love your thoughts on that, man.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think a couple things are happening, right? When you're trying to build a culture and you are also building around the youngest starting 11 in the Premier League, uh, you have to have a set of standards, Right. The first, the, the, the top man on the totem pole has to be treated with the same set of rules and standards as the bottom person on the totem pole. Not saying that there's a hierarchy, but there's a wage structure, right? So the top earner has to be treated the same as the bottom earner. And that's ultimately what's happening here, right? You can't have your top earner, captain of the club showing up late not leading on the pitch, probably undermining Arteta in training in the locker room when he's not there. And he just had enough of it. And on top of all that, when the performances started to slip and the fans were so vocal about this that he needed to be dropped, I don't understand why there's really any argument at all. It's like, hey, we we need to you know, set you aside and we need to come up with new ideas that'll push the team forward. That's all Arteta was trying to do here. And then, you know, Abba's disciplinary issues come up that we heard about at Dortmund. They were an issue there. And ultimately that's what drove him out of that club. And then it's ultimately what drove him out of Arsenal. And you also saw it uh, at AFCON. He went out partying the night before, uh, breaking COVID protocols. It's just kind of part of the person that he is when he's, you know, bagging goals, leading us to FA cups, you know, some people can put that aside and say, Hey, what you're doing on the pitches is, Mm -hmm. is, is okay. I can, I could somewhat see that, but when the performances slip and the disciplinary issues are there, it's all kind of packaged together where you, you kind of have to just, move him out of the way. And then another thing that I want to tie in is I don't understand the criticism of Arteta, right? This is a guy that came up and played for Arsene Wenger, obviously during the latter half of his coaching tenure where the culture was not as stellar as the Invincibles, Mm -hmm. and then went on to coach under Pep Guardiola, who has one of the best high-performing cultures we've ever seen not saying that you can say that or not saying that Arteta is going to be the same as Pep Guardiola but he at least has some semblance of an idea of what that culture should be so i think the club has every right to trust that you know what Arteta is trying to build here is the right thing and i'm i'm really glad that the club is behind the manager obviously edu and arteta were the ones that gave abba the deal i think that's a whole other discussion point that we might need to cover here but at least the club is saying hey we're backing arteta we're not afraid to move on from people if they are a disruptive force in us moving forward and that's ultimately what happened and i don't understand why there's a debate i'm i'm 100 behind the manager here i think it was a necessary uh change and i think uh, what you saw out in Dubai uh, was just a good reflection of that. It looked like they, the players were having a great time laughing, had their family there. The coaching staff, I saw a video of the coaching staff, you know, throwing tennis balls at the players that they, as, as they were running sprints. It, it really looked like a fun time. And I think that's what they're trying to build is a culture of just uh, competition, fun, brotherhood, togetherness you and I have played sports together. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I really am looking forward to the future. And I think getting Abba kind of out of this locker room will be a huge step forward.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, you mentioned that he's been in those environments of Pep and and Wenger. And even before then he was with David Moyes, he's a disciplinary guy. Um, and he's played in Barcelona earlier in his career and PSG and he's, he's had his fair share. But one thing, one common denominator with all of those is he's been in elite, excellent like environments that are built on just excellence and perfection almost. And so at the minimum, you know what he's building is towards that. And it's not going to be pretty because of how far we had fallen off. So, it, and it's hilarious to me how people like when he actually first got introduced, when he's talking about it, we were not understanding what he says. This is going to take time. Like we we have to undo a lot of things, and he was very precise about this. And I remember specifically, but I remember his first ever press conference. He mentioned that there's so many things that they are going to have to change. You're gonna you're gonna have to do something different to get different results, and this is the difference. So there's a picture of uh, we have now only five players, six players left from like uh, Unai Emery's uh, arsenal when it basically hit the rock bottom of our culture and club and might not have even been Unai that was that fall, honestly, but it was just one of the worst moments of, of the club as far as a hitting rock bottom. And so you think you're trying to move 80% away from that team already. And everyone's new. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. And we can't, I'm sorry, we can't be a retirement home for, uh, ozil abba and Gunduzi, and it's only when these guys leave that you always hear the oh they got mistreated and look what they did for us it's like what did they actually do you know they want FA cup we don't want that shit man honestly i'm sick of it. i'm sick of settling for that shit we basically convince ourselves that that's a tight trophy and it is don't get me wrong but it's not what we should be shooting for so like if people that have their eyes set on first place and, and eventually getting to that place of excellence the it's going to be ugly like moments like this and we got to weave out those people who are trying to use it as a retirement home and that's my argument with at least abba and ozil and like, granted we're the ones that fucked up and gave them the deals so i get it but they were done trying they didn't care <laughs> they didn't care they were trying to just enjoy their golden years in their professional lives there um and yeah, like you mentioned, the Dubai thing, it's that's what we're striving for. I want to see that. I want that brotherhood. We haven't had it. So uh, I'm behind him. And I even told you, like with a couple of results that get bad, I'm, I'm going to continue staying behind him because he's going about it the right way. Um, and in terms of the deals, you could say that, hey, Arteta gave, like you said, our, our Abba the deal. Um, and I think he's at fault for that, no doubt about it. But I think do and uh, Arteta are going to make mistakes. And I think that was one of it. And I think they've learned big time. And they're completely, it has actually shifted their strategy so much that ended up us getting Ben White, ended up us getting Tomiyasu. All this ended up giving Martinelli, putting more resources into him and making sure he continues to thrive and giving ESR number 10 when he asked for it. They were so traumatized and pissed at themselves probably for those deals that they changed their strategy. So people, you have to fail to reach that success there's just no other way but as fans it's always like you make this mistake get out the door but it's hilarious because you look in the mirror buddy if you make a mistake at work should they fire you oh probably not right no but these guys are getting paid and it's not about that it's you gotta understand they're human doesn't matter how much they're getting fucking paid they're gonna fuck up and i think they did but i think they've really learned from it they're like traumatized by it so we're in a good direction now and um i think everyone knows the message and they respect it. They fear it in, in a good way. Uh, so, so, yeah. And I,
0: and I hope that the hierarchy and, and when I say hierarchy, I mean, Stan and Josh, you know, the owners are scrutinizing those deals, right? And they're saying, hey, what happened here? Like, you know, w- we signed these two uh, players that were close to 30 on these mega wage deals and they fizzled out, and now you're asking us to uh, outlay, you know, millions of dollars to basically just brush them aside. What's going on here? I really hope that some some type of due diligence is happening at the, at the club, and there's really just a, a you know, a, some type of structure in place to never allow this to happen again. Um, signing players over 30 to you know, make a wage deals because it's just unacceptable that it's happened twice in the last, I don't know, five years. So, um, I think it's a good segue now into the transfer window that just closed, um, the January transfer window. Um, there was, you know, a lot of players that were loaned, um, obviously given away. Well, you know, not given away, but, uh, you know, given away on a free. Um, And I think the biggest story was no uh, incomings. And I think, you know, the incomings is tied back to what I just uh, mentioned is uh, there was probably some increased scrutiny on, you know, price, uh, standard of player, um, how much of an impact they could have played culture age so on and so forth um and i hope that those conversations were happening um i know we were in for uh well the media said we were in for vlahovic that was the only one to me that really could have moved the needle Mm -hmm. exponentially um in Mm -hmm. the january window and obviously i wish we could have gotten it done but it was pretty clear that the player didn't the player and the agent didn't want to get that done and I think you saw that with the swiftness of the UV deal. It was like mentioned in the paper and then the next day it was done. Um, I think the only frustrating thing on that was just like how long we kind of stayed around and allowed ourselves to be second fiddle when we could have lined up some other loan deals or looked at some other um, striking or striker candidates. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on kind of the, the window and that whole saga
1: yeah i think the window is funny because our last episode i fucking spent hours uh evaluating all these goddamn targets and we end up getting none of them so i was pissed initially and so many people i thought you know could have helped us here and there but everything you're mentioning is so true i think it's a combination of deals that have gone bad and josh is probably like dude like you guys like i can't keep fucking fronting this money and you guys fucking up so if you're not sure about it hundred percent like tell me now we're not gonna like i'm not gonna uh, you know, push the button on that to, to allow it to happen. So I think that's part of it. Um, I agree with you as well. I think Vlavish is the only one that was going to drastically like move the needle. Right now, I'm worried about that. So it's, it's, it is what it is now. I, I do think some deals, they were trying to make it work and it just didn't work and it was overpriced and they didn't want to, you know, get into a situation like that. I don't blame them for that. People are negotiating here and there and that's just, just going to happen and but they took a risk that's all it is and that's the reality of it and it's a risk so it could end up good and we're fine we make top four everyone calls them heroes and we could not we get a few injuries and they're in a bad position and they deserve to be criticized for that i think they know that but that's with any risk right you take a risk you might lose and you, i think that's just where we're at now um i do think we could have just got some depth and you could have just gone around the championship. You could have gone to some of the bottom half teams and uh, uh, basically try to get a few depth pieces there that are Premier League experience, England experience. And you're just worried about injury, so you have cover in case, worst case scenario. Um, so, and, and the loanies going out on the business side, I know it's like they're separate almost, but they have to be able to be combined and maybe keep someone. But now that I'm really scoping out, going back to the first thing we talked about. Might have been a culture thing too, right? Amen. constantly bitching every day was maybe affecting the locker room for Arteta and it wasn't working out with what he's expecting. So some of these things behind the scenes might just be beyond, hey, we need depth. It's like, hey, this guy being here will actually hurt us more than us like risking a depth thing. And it might be that situation. I don't know. Um, Chambers, I, 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 I'm annoyed that he's gone, but it's also like, he was, he was halfway out anyways. And I, again, if Tommy Yesu gets hurt, it's like, fuck <laughs> now we have Cedric only. So you're right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think Ben white, I think Ben white cover yeah. there, which, I mean, I think went into the, the column chambers loan move. And, and one thing that I wanted, I want to, you know, kind of add here is how many of the outgoing players, you know, play, uh, first team minutes and, and, how many uh, do you think really would have pushed us forward in the second half? Yeah. I can, I mean, Abba is really the only one, but we've we've already seen in the first half that no, it's the system that we play is just not there. And I understand the body's argument; I get it. We're we are desperately short on numbers, but um, I saw a, a great piece on Twitter where. Um, You know, someone was comparing our squad size with Man City. They have, you know, X amount of strikers. We have X amount of strikers, and it's very, very similar. Obviously, the quality is vastly different, but having a a tight squad, a small squad, is not necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're playing one time per week with multiple days of rest. It's
1: really not a bad thing. I'm just being a pessimist about the injuries, honestly. Like right now, if we have Shaka and Partey again, we'll be fine. They are a rock back there. I, you know, I don't agree that they've been in their best form and the limitations of Shaka are there, but that's the best combo we have right now. But if one of them goes down again and it's like, fuck, who's coming in? Sammy? And it's like all hell breaks loose again. Um, but we, I want to talk to you, brought it up a little bit about some ideas with the forward. I, that is a position... Where I do think we need someone, but I also think we have the most talented personnel. Where Arteta can shift some things, and maybe something clicks. It's a risk again, so we might not know. But um, what were your thoughts on that? Who are you thinking can kind of take that nine, and the, how would we set up? So I've seen some rumors
0: and and, and you know listened to some podcasts, and there was some really interesting ideas and and uh, a, a name that I saw come up, and that I hope you know can work up top is is Martinelli. Um I think if you shift Martinelli up top, it would open up a spot for Pepe to come yeah. into the lineup potentially. Mm-hmm. So then you have Martinelli up top, Pepe, Saka and ESR or Odegaard behind. That is pace, pace, pace and hopefully goals, goals, goals which we're mm-hmm. going to need uh in the second half we're gonna have to match uh harry kane and and, and son in the second half we're gonna have to match ronaldo and city scoring goals and liverpool scoring scoring goals so i really really hope the club is looking into some internal solutions and i think that's what they had in mind when they went with this strategy of of not signing a striker up top is they're trying to get creative and they're trying to just get us to the summer um, where I think things will open up a lot uh, at the number nine position. But what have you been hearing uh, as far as striker solutions internally?
1: One of them was what you mentioned. The other one was actually having Pepe as a false nine as well um, and playing Martinelli in the same position He has. Uh, Pepe played, I know, the nine at uh, Lille um, and where he scored is like 24 goals or something. Uh, so he definitely has experience. And I think... His pace is kind of going away, and he's such a dribble tiki tacky guy that he might actually work as a false nine, and get he's really good with the back um, uh, to the ball to the uh, to the goal. So that's when I heard the Martinelli. When I heard, and here's the third option uh, is one of Laka or Eddie hit a little hot streak. That's another option. They're human. Their, their players, I would hope they're trying to get better in their career. I hope they understand that they're not scoring and they have to train more. They just have to get better. So forwards are very streaky. So as much as they can go cold, they can get hot. And that's the third option. So I'm hoping between now and the end of the season, we can find one of those options that clicks. And, and we're able to score those goals because you nailed it on the head. We need goals, a lot of them, with the goal difference as well. Like we, It's really, really important. So, um, I think we have at least three options. So, and that's from two guys that don't know shit (laughs) about how to set up. So I think he can find a lot of variations there. And I'm sure at this point him and and probably the rest of the board and the rest of the fan base should be thinking as problem solvers. No, no longer is like bitching about what happened in January. That's what's annoying. It's like, it's done dude. So you can bitch about it. It ain't going to change. So at this point, we support him and we try, like, try to figure out how we can now do this still because uh, it's possible. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of how I think we can make do without a uh, formal number nine in form. I
0: hadn't, I hadn't heard about uh, the Pepe false nine, but, I mean, he has looked great at AFCON. Um, mm-hmm. He was scoring, um, looked like he was engaged and uh, really, you know, a key uh, part of that Ivory Coast team um, so I was excited to um, see that and, and I hope that you know Arteta sees a player in there and can um, you know come up with a creative idea because that's another one where I lo- I worry about is there a riff there is there is there something behind the scenes that we aren't uh, that we aren't seeing. Um, and you know we never will see and we'll never be privy to, but um, I hope that he's maybe we have the Amazon this show pod. coming. Man,
1: that <laughs> should be so, It should be so good, oh God, <laughs> especially with movie. everything that's happened that's yeah. happened
0: this this year. So um, I think this is a good good time to move on to uh, just second half of the season. What your kind of predictions and how you're seeing things shake out and and your expectations ultimately of where you kind of see us at the end of the season i know it's going to be uh probably a slow second half i mean i mentioned it uh earlier we only have one game one game per week we're only in one competition which is the league so um it'll be somewhat slow from from that point of view but um what are your thoughts on the second half
1: I think second half of the season, if we utilize one of those options and it works out and we click, I think we can go on a little run. Because if you look at the schedule, we have the Wolves on Thursday. Uh, Chelsea Ars is postponed. So we go nine days again without another game, but then we play Brentford. Um, And then after that, uh, it's about five days after we play Wolves again. And then it goes all the way to March 6th for Watford because uh, it says Arsenal Live is postponed as well. And then it's Leicester, Aston Villa gets a little bit harder, and then Crystal Palace. Um, we have a chance, man, at least to get maybe a three four game winning streak. And if it's clicking, we might hit a similar run that we did uh, towards the end of last year. So um, that's where I, I think second half of the season, it, I just feel like we're at a fork in the road. And maybe how we decide which side to take is might not be fully dependent on our choices. It might just be the result of the risks that we've already taken. So the risk of what happened in the January transfer window, if we get a few injuries, at that point, it's not anyone's fault besides, obviously, our and do for not getting the depth. Uh, But that's where I can see us having a team out there that's not clicking. But, like, I wouldn't blame them if we're missing a few guys and, say, Laka and Eddie are still not clicking and it's like we're missing something, then it's like, you know, uh, we we accept that that's a risk that's a possibility. So, but I think it's there for the grabbing, for the taking.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we're definitely in the mixer. Obviously, two points off top four with uh, with a game in hand. So you can't really you know count us out at all. Um, obviously, injury luck is going to play a huge part. You know, with this, with such a small squad being short in midfield. Um, I really hope that Xhaka has learned from, um, the most recent, uh, red card brigade. I can't believe that we've, uh, played four games, um, in 2022 and had a red card in three of them. Jeez, that's um, that's crazy. kind of a appalling stat. Um, so I really hope that our midfield pairing, you know, learns from, um, those mistakes. Um, so yeah, I mean, injury luck, disciplinary issues are going to play a huge part and one thing I really hope that the that the coaching staff and, and Arteta specifically uh really taps into is just trying new ideas. I mean, we touched on it with the striking situation. Uh if something's not working, just try something different. Don't mm-hmm. continue with that same setup yeah. for for four to five games, right? If something's not working for two games, let's try something different. Let's this is the situation that we're in. We're just trying to get to the end of the season to the summer window where we can, you know, hopefully make some improvements up front, because I think up front and in the middle of the park is really the only two areas where uh, we need, you know, heavy improvement. I think mm-hmm. goalie and defensively were set up beautifully. Uh, hopefully, William Saliba comes back from Marseille. I've, I've seen some rumors that uh, the club are going to offer him a new deal, which I think he's uh deserved uh eight, eight man of the match performances in been going any off. any league is is just uh, incredible so um i think center back is set for for years um so you know i i really hope that we embrace uh you know a, a culture of just trying new things changing things up And and, you know, leave the 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 vendettas in the first half of the season and in London before we went to Dubai. Right. Hopefully Dubai is just um, was a trip where, you know, everybody felt welcomed. The brotherhood was there and we can all kind of move forward towards a common goal of getting top four. And and if we don't get top four right, I think top six would be an improvement. Um, from where we were obviously it's an improvement we finished back to back eighth Um, I think top six is is where the club uh, has their sights set I think top four is is a huge um, opportunity and the club would love that but I think getting back into Europe getting the money that is tied into Europa League is is what the club goal is this season and I think you'll see um, a new contract for Arteta if that's um, mm-hmm. if that is achieved and even if it's not achieved it, it really will just depend on how the second half goes right like were we unlucky were, was there disciplinary issues were we just playing mm-hmm. horribly I think a lot of that will play into you know Arteta's new deal and how we kind of move forward
1: yeah I think time will reveal it all we'll see what happens and that's the excitement right at the end of the day we, we follow this shit because uh there's that unknown. There's a lot of question marks. There's players that can get better and improve. There's players that can fall out. Like it's gonna it's gonna be a wild ride, I think, um, for the end of the season. But I think what it we have what it takes and um yeah, we'll see uh we'll try to reconnect for the after the Wolves game and uh um, yeah, absolutely cypher where we're headed, I think it'll be a big showing of you know, just the first step because I'm nervous being in this fork in the road that which way are we going to lean into? So you have to divide everything that's gone down. It's like, and you know it better than anyone, EPL, you get a little bit, you got a 3-0 win against Wolves. It's just enough to get you two more wins after. And now you're like, all right, oh shit, I've got nine points in three games. All right, now we're dangerous. Snavern's clicking. So it could just be that quick. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. And, uh, and yeah, man, we'll uh, – Anything else you want to drop by before we head on out of here?
0: No, I think uh, I think you hit it. We'll try to reconvene after the Wolves game. Um, I think you'll see in the first, you know, five ten minutes of that game, uh, you know how the game will play out. We should come out uh, pretty quickly and try to hit them um, with a couple goals right away, and, and I hope we do see that. Um, because it, it has been kind of weird without games. It's just been such a long international yes. break, and uh, yeah. I just I just want to I just want to watch Arsenal play. Um, yeah. So I think that'll do it. Um, I will chat with you um,
1: in a week's time. Cool, man. All right. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week. Later.